0: Good morning, Mission. I wanted to take just a minute and introduce our guest speaker this morning, Dr. Andy Prince. Dr. Prince is the associational mission strategist for the Stanley Montgomery Baptist Association, which Mission is a partnering church and a supporting church. I had the opportunity to meet Dr. Prince a little over a year and a half ago when he was interviewing to uh, come to Stanley Montgomery Association and then had the chance to spend quite a bit of time with him when he did an in-person visit uh, late last year and he has become not only a colleague uh, in ministry but he's also become a friend and I am really uh, honored and glad that he could come and share with you this morning so without further ado help me in welcoming Dr. Andy Prince here to mission this morning. Well, good morning, Mission, and it is great to be with you. I love your pastor, and it's been great to be able to get to know him, uh, being able to serve with him uh, as he serves as our missions uh, team, helping to do community ministry for our local association here. And also just to, to be able to get to know him as a friend. He was the chairman of the search committee, as he shared. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here today. So I am so grateful. And I'm so grateful for your church. I hear about the great things God is doing. And man, what a great day just to be able to pray in the music today. It's, it's just been a blessing already. And I just thank you for, for the privilege of being here today. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, and today we're going to look at the gospel for the Christian, the gospel for the Christian, and we read in 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to look at verses 1-11, through 11, encourage you to keep your, your Bibles or your phone open uh, to that passage today. and. Um, Let's begin by looking at what Paul says. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, and then by the twelve, and after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, whom the greater part remained to the present some have fallen asleep, and after that he was seen by James, and then by all the apostles. The last of all, he is seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for just a wonderful time to enter into your presence through prayer and music, and I just pray that you would, Lord, prepare our hearts as only your Holy Spirit can, that we would be able to hear your word. Lord, I pray that you would do the work only which you can do, but God, that we would come. And Lord, not be hearers, but doers for your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our church uh, used to run a firework stand. I was a church planner in Bakersfield, California, that was like a foreign country, um, and it is great to be back on the right side of the coast, and it's good to be here. But that was the only way you could get fireworks in California was you had to go through a nonprofit stand, and so we used to sell fireworks, and we used to buy some of them, and we would get with our neighbors and. My mom gave me a love for fireworks, and my kids, I love watching them get excited about shooting off fireworks, but you know, once you light a firework and you see it do what it does, that's all it is good for. After that, it's just going to have to be thrown away. And you know, I think a lot of people think that as what the gospel is for. That it's something that, that, that does something, and it explodes in our life, and, and that's what we needed. That sinner needs that gospel to be saved, and boom! And then we really don't need it anymore. And that was a concern that was happening in the churches, and I think it's something that Paul addresses here. And today, I want us to get rid of the idea that the gospel was just for the lost sinner, which it is but it's also for the Christian as well. Notice in the beginning here, we see that the gospel was preached. Notice in verse one, he says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you. As a Christian, we need to make sure that we understand that there is only one true gospel. The word gospel means Good news, and it should be that we are excited about the gospel, that it is good news to us. In fact, do you remember when the angel came to the shepherd, and this is what the angel said, it said, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people." For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That word, good tidings, is the word gospel. It is the word which we get evangelism to share good news. And it is good news. And not just good news, it's the greatest news. It is the best news. But Paul gives a warning that there are also other Gospels, false Gospels that are out there. Look at what the Bible says in Galatians 1, verse 6. It says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different Gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the Gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other Gospel to you, that we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than which you have received, let him be accursed. Paul comes and says there's some who are preaching something different than the true gospel. And we must be aware of that in, in today's, Church And today, American Christianity, there are many other gospels that are out there. And we need to be careful that we don't accept any of that. We don't have time to go through them, but I want you to be aware of some of them. One is that some believe that the gospel is just that I have some intellectual knowledge and able to repeat some intellectual facts that are in the Bible. I think there's going to be a lot of people who miss heaven by 12 inches. Because they have it in their head, but they don't ever move it to their heart. They they, they can repeat the story. They can repeat the facts. They can repeat the statements. But they never came to the place where they gave Christ their sin. And they never received Him as their Savior and Lord. There are some who believe that the gospel was just temporary faith. There was a moment in their life where they prayed and they believed God for something. They, they, they prayed for that new car, or they, they prayed for that new job, or they, they prayed for a, a healing, and God answered. And therefore, since they had some type of an experience with God that they remember, they say, okay, well, that must mean I'm also saved for eternity. There, there's some who had some type of emotional response one time. They came to a revival service, came to a church service, had a warm feeling. And so they just feel like, okay, for the rest of life, I'm good. There's some who believe that the gospel is living a moral life. They, 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 they believe in God, there's, there's God out there, and, and I just do good. And, and when I look at my life, I see all those bad people out there. Look at all those bank robbers and gang members, all the people that beat their wives and do drugs. I don't do any of that. When God graves on the curve, man, I'm going to be in the top 10%, I'm good. Can I tell you, God doesn't judge on a curve? But there's some that believe that. There's some that believe that it's just about having faith in something. Have you ever heard that term now? A lot of people say, I'm a person of faith. But can I tell you that faith doesn't save you? It's what your faith in that saves you. You have to have your faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ in order to be saved. There's many who just have faith in something, faith in a God, a Jesus. And then we see that what Paul was addressing is there's a danger of people who mix faith and works together. That that God does the part that I can't do. That basically when he saves me, he gives me a second chance and now I I have to go and, and not mess it up. Let me tell you, we will mess it up. And yet, somehow... We come to the place many times where we are tempted to believe a different gospel. So what is the true gospel? Well, thankfully he tells us. Notice in in verse 3 he begins, he says, First, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. And so we see the gospel came from God. Not something Paul came up with. It was something that we see that, that God gave him. Notice what it says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. But I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which was preached to me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor I was taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, Paul was on the road to Damascus and had an encounter with Jesus. And when Jesus saw him, he gave him the gospel, just like the other apostles received the gospel through an encounter with Jesus Christ. So it wasn't their idea, it wasn't their good news, it wasn't their gospel, it came from God. Secondly, you notice he comes and he says, this is the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that Jesus died for our sins. Notice he says it's according to the scriptures. Back then, Paul wasn't talking about the New Testament because it hadn't been written yet. So he was talking about even in the Old Testament. The Bible tells us that Jesus was going to come and die for the scriptures. Notice what it says in Isaiah 53 verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of of us all this was written 700 years before jesus was even born and it tells us that jesus was coming to die for our sins one of the questions we have to make sure we understand is who is jesus who is this christ you see there's many different Jesuses out there today it's not that you believe in a jesus you've got to believe in the jesus And how do we know the right Jesus? It's because we have the scriptures to tell us. We understand that Jesus was fully God and fully man. He is the creator, the sustainer. He is the life giver. He is the one who establishes the purpose for our life. He determines what is right and wrong. He is the one who walked through this earth without sin so that he could be our substitute. Secondly, we need to know what is sin. Sin is disobedience to God. And how do we know what sin is? Because God gave us his what? His word. And so it's not majority vote. It's did God say it was a sin? And if God says it, guess what? We're wrong. And when we're wrong, it's our responsibility to say, God, I have sinned against you. I've rebelled against you. And I deserve your punishment. God told us what the punishment for sin was. He said the wages of sin is death. That's not just physical death, but it's spiritual death to be separated from Christ. And so we must come to the place where we confess, God, I am a sinner. I agree with you. I have done wrong. And I'm willing to turn from that and to turn to you. That's what we call repentance. And then we see why there must be an atonement. He says that Jesus died for our sins. The wages of sin was death. What did Jesus have to do? He had to what? Die. He paid the penalty. God couldn't just say, you know what? Sin's not a big deal. Just don't worry about it. Everybody just come on into heaven. God had already said, Adam and Eve, when you sin, you're going to die. And so Jesus comes and he takes our penalty for us. When he's on that cross, it's important that we understand that Jesus didn't die just for the sins of the world. We have to come to a place one time in our life where we say, Jesus died for my sin. It was my rebellion. It was the things I did wrong. God, I acknowledge that. And Jesus, you died in my place. And because of that, he takes away our punishment. Notice secondly, it says that there's also the, that he was buried in verse 4. Part of the gospel is understanding that Jesus was buried, which proves that he was dead as he was buried for three days. But also it symbolically shows that this is what Jesus did with our sins. As we were laid our sins on him, he takes them to the grave and no longer are they upon us. Folks, isn't it awesome to think that not some of your sin, but all of your sin has been forgiven? We're washed, we're cleansed. It is removed as far as the east from the west. It it, it used to be that it was crimson red, and now we are white as snow. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And then notice he continues in verse 4, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Jesus rose from the dead. It's a historical fact. As a Christian, we really believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was buried, and we really believe that he rose again from the dead and that he really is alive. That's what it means to be a Christian, that we believe the Lord Jesus did this. And notice again, it was according to the scriptures. Notice what Psalm 1610 says, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. That was written a thousand years before Jesus even came and shown that he would raise from the dead. And because Jesus rose from the dead, to any who believe, not only are they guaranteed to be in heaven, eternal life, but the moment you believe, you enter into a relationship with Jesus that begins to change you, and you get to experience abundant life. You get to experience peace and joy, assurance and hope. And it's for anyone who's willing to trust in the Lord. As Romans 5.10 says, For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And then finally, I want you to see a part of the gospel is in verses 5 through 8, where we see that he was witnessed alive. There were people who were changed, and they testify, I saw Jesus rose from the dead. One of them was Cephas, who was talking about Peter. Y'all remember when Peter was finding out that Jesus was going to the cross? What did he go and do? Do you know who Jesus is? What did he say three times? I don't know. him. He denied him. Well, what changed to the place where now Peter is willing to go preach the gospel everywhere, go to prison, and then one day he will die upside down, crucified? What changed him to be willing to go from that guy who was a coward to where he has now got this boldness? I'll tell you, he saw the resurrected Christ. And, And then it says the apostles saw him and they were willing to give their life. It says there were 500 at once. Can you imagine? That's more than the people that are in this room Looked, and they saw Jesus rose from the dead, and they testified about it. James's brother saw him, and now Paul says, you know what? I have seen him. Jesus is alive. And That is the gospel. But the gospel doesn't have effect just because it's preached. We see the next thing is it has to be received. Notice back in verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received. And so there has to be a time and place in your life where you have personally made the decision to say, God, I understand that Jesus died on the cross, that he buried my sin, that he rose again and Lord, I come to that place where I place my trust in you. For some of you, you may remember the exact moment that I exact day, the exact time. For others of you, it may have been a season of time where, where God was doing the work. It was a process. But, but all of you should be able to look back and say, there was a moment when I was in the darkness and I moved into the light. I was dead and now I was made alive. The Bible says this in John chapter 1, verse 12, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You see, have you ever heard people say we're all children of God? It's not true according to the Bible. The Bible says you can what? Become a child of God if you do what? If you receive him. You see, you could have your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, your great-great-grandparents, and they all loved Jesus, they all went to church, do you know that doesn't make you a Christian today? You know, you could say, you know what? I was baptized by Billy Graham in the Jordan River. You know, that's awesome, but there's nothing in the flesh that can change you on the inside is what the Bible says. And nor it says the will of man. I could come here and say, I'm the... uh, Association Mission Strategist, Stanley Montgomery, and I say you're all Christians. Pastor Jeremy could stand up here and say, I say you're all Christians. It doesn't matter. And it only matters what God says. And for each of us, there must come a time where we recognize our rebellion against God and our sin. And we believe that Jesus, in his mercy and his grace, loved us so much that he died And because of that, our penalty has been paid for. We don't carry it. And now he transforms us in his resurrection power. And we have been made new. As Romans 10, 9 says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you've never done that, I hope today you'll make that decision to put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. But then... This is the part I want us to focus on today. And notice he says we need to stand in the gospel. Notice verse 1, he says he preached the gospel, which you also received. But then he says in which you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. That word there, unless, means otherwise. It means if I don't hold fast to it 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 indicates that i truly really didn't believe and so what the bible says is that as The gospel is given to us, it's not just for the sinner to receive and be changed, but it is the way as a Christian we are to live, we need the gospel so that it continues to do that work in our life. It's not a firework that just goes off one time, it's like a, a battery that's always charged that continues to give us hope and peace and love and joy and strength and power for the Christian life that word stand is in the perfect tense in the greek it it means that there was an action in the past that is causing us to live differently today it's sort of like when you get married you remember what it was like when you walk down the aisle you come and you face your spouse you look in their eyes and you tell your spouse i love you and you do but is that the only time for the rest of your life you tell your spouse you love them? Hope not. You're supposed to be able to say on that day, I love you and I will keep on what? Loving you. And hopefully after 5 and 10 and 15 and 20, 30, 40, 50 years of marriage, hopefully you can look at your spouse and say, you know what? I love you more today than I loved you back then. And can I tell you that's how it should also be with Jesus Christ? And yet somehow in Christianity we make the greatest day the day that we got married. I hope your marriage isn't the greatest day was just the day you got married. It should be a special day. It should be a wonderful day. It should be a great day. But it should not be the best day of your marriage. And the day that you came and you received Christ as your Lord and Savior should be a great day. It should be an awesome day. But it shouldn't be the greatest day in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You should be deeper in love and more committed and more in awe and more changed and more transformed by Jesus Christ than the day when you first met him. We need to stand in the gospel. Jesus says that he is the bread of life. He's that nourishment that we need every day. He is the light that is in the darkness. We constantly are facing a dark world. We continue to need light. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Those are things that we need each and every day. It's just not that the gospel is for the unbeliever to receive to be changed and saved. It is the fact that we need the gospel each and every day to live out our life. So what does that look like practically? Well, I'd like for us to look at verses 9 through 11 as we close today and look at four things real quickly of what it means to stand in the gospel and what that looks like practically. Notice for Paul, he writes, the first thing is it keeps us humble. Notice in verse 9 he says, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. You know, we can often get prideful in whom we become. Jesus changes our life. We begin to experience blessings. And we begin to take credit for what is taking place in our life. But notice what Paul says. Paul says, I'm the least. I'm unworthy. Paul remembered who he was. And he wouldn't be who he was unless Jesus did it. And sometimes as Christians, we get to the place and we look at our life and we go, look at all that I have. Look, I got this nice house. I've got this nice car. I've got this beautiful family. I take great vacations. I just have all these great things. Look at what I have built. No, you haven't. It was Jesus Christ who did that work in you. It was Jesus Christ who gave you everything. Everything that you have is because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And we should have a heart of gratitude and remember who we would be if it wasn't for him. And that's why we need to keep the gospel. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace we have been saved through faith, and this not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, none of works, lest anyone should boast. There is no boasting for the Christian. All the glory all the praise, all the honor goes to Jesus Christ and it's one of the reasons we need the gospel. Think about Israel. Israel lived a cycle where God would bless them and then as they got blessed they would look at all the blessings and they would say, look at what we have done, we're such a great people, we've done all this and then they would begin to forget about God. Doesn't that sound like America? Look at all the blessings we have in America. Can we not look and see the reason we have those blessings was because at one time we used to honor God. And we've gotten to the place where we've become prideful and we've forgotten about it. Christian, we need to be careful that that can happen in our life, and that's why we need to be rooted in the gospel. It's still for us. Secondly, notice it's transforming our hearts. Notice in verse 10 he says, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. Paul comes and says, listen, I am being changed by the gospel. Who I am today is only because of what Christ did by dying for me and cleansing me and raising me from the dead and giving me new life. And he is doing a work in me. And you know what? I still need that work in my life even today because I'm going to be honest. I still struggle with sin. Anybody here still struggle with sin? We all do, don't we? You know, this is what Paul said in Romans 7. He says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Anybody ever have that issue? You know, I've played golf with your pastor and i can tell you we've experienced that on the golf course we went to you know the fca tournament and there's the water there and i don't want to hit it in the water but you know what i end up doing hit in the water jeremy will be there and he's like i don't want to hit in the bunker but you know where the ball goes in the bunker and how many times does that happen in our life god i want to go to church i want to go to bible study i need to give more time to pray I don't do what I'm supposed to do. And then, man, there's those pesky sins, and I don't want to do them, but, man, I find myself end up doing it. Is there anybody who still needs the gospel in their life to continue that work in changing you? We all do. Notice what Paul says at the end of Romans 7. He says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God But with the flesh, the law of sin, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. And because the gospel is not a work-based religion, it's not about me trying to do more in my own strength, but it is about receiving from God his love and his grace and his spirit and allowing his power to work in through me, I have the grace and the assurance that no matter where I am as I'm going through this journey of him changing me, that his love for me has not changed. You see, if I'm not in the gospel, I begin to think that what I do is what makes me who I am. Or I begin to think, What other people think about me is what I am. But Paul says I am what I am because of the grace of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I am reminded that I am a child of God and that I'm not under his judgment, that he truly does love me, that he is changing me, by his spirit, not just in the outset of my behavior, but he's changing my mind, he's changing my heart, he's changing my attitude, he's changing my values, he's changing my spirit, then I realize that even though I may fail him, that I am still his child and he is my father and his love for me has not changed. My father may discipline me at times to help me go in the right direction. But I am assured that the work that my God has started in me, he will finish in the power of the gospel. We need the gospel, Christians, so that we will continue to be changed. We need the gospel to know that we are loved by our God no matter where we find ourselves in life. So we're loved, we have a thankful heart, and then notice we're empowered for ministry. Notice in the other part of verse 10, he says, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. That word labor means to work hard, and Paul says, listen, now I work hard not to earn my way to heaven, but I work hard because I know I'm going to heaven. Man, that's a difference, isn't it? You know, there's a lot of cults out there that do a lot of work. They go and knock on doors and do a lot of things, but they're doing it so maybe they can do enough to earn their way into heaven. Man, Christians, we should be doing a lot more work because we know we're going to heaven. But then also, because he's changed us with his love, we also begin to recognize that we have a love that we can give to other people. Sadly, many times as Christians, we can start doing ministry in the flesh. Anybody ever done that? You do your ministry and you're not really praying. You're just going through the motions. It's just obligation. There's no joy. There's no impact. But when we come back to the gospel and and we remember what Christ did and what he did for us, And what he's doing for us. Then we begin to see other people with different eyes. We begin to see the people of this world as people who were made in the image of God and that they have value, that Jesus went and died for them, and that we can go and have the privilege to serve them. What does that look like practically? Imagine you're going to work and you have that person that is that co-worker that you just honestly can't stand. And you dread going to work. But because of the gospel, you can go to work and you can pray for that person. You can even serve that person. You can even invite that person to church. Because you know that the power of the gospel could change their life one day. The holidays are coming up, let's be honest. There's some of us that are dreading it because we don't want to see that family member. But because of the gospel, you know what? I can see that person differently. I can look and see that they were created in the image of God and I can have patience. And I can even be able to love them during the holiday season. Some of you serve in children's ministry and you've got that crazy kid that just doesn't sit and is wild. But because of the gospel, I can look and say, oh God, you can give me patience, you can help me. And one day that kid may be the next great missionary that leads many. You see, the gospel changes the way that I see. It empowers me to do ministry because the love of God is changing me now. I'm able to love other people. I'm willing to labor for the kingdom. And then finally, notice in verse 11, there's the hope for life. Notice he says, Therefore, whether it was you, or whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed." Paul says, The gospel changed me. The good news changed me, and so because of that, I can't help but go share the good news with other people and you know that is so true that part of the joy of good news is being able to share it with other people have you ever gone out to a a good restaurant and and you have a great meal And you've experienced it and you're just like, man, I've got to go tell somebody about this great experience I just had. Because it's not just enough to enjoy it, but you also want others to be able to enjoy it so you can share it with them. Your sports team just won a big game. Oh man, you want to be able to go share that experience with somebody else because that's part of the joy is being able to share it with other people. You just find out you're expecting and you're going to have your first child. You don't want to just keep that to yourself. You want to be able to go and tell other people because it's the joy of being able to share it with other people. Oh my goodness. All my sin has been washed away and I am being made new. And I have the guarantee one day That I will be with God in heaven walking on streets of gold. I will never get sick again. I will never die. I will never be in pain. I will never cry. That is good news, amen? And if that is good news, then the joy is being able to share it with others. This world is looking for peace and love and hope and joy. And we have that good news for them. So as we close today, I have two questions to ask you. Number one, have you received the gospel? Maybe you're here today and you've always had it in your head, but you've never put it on your heart. Or maybe you're here today and you had a mixture. You, you had well, God gave me a second chance, but I've been trying to do it on my own, and today, you're understanding, no, all I need to do is by grace receive what Christ has done on my behalf. And I can be totally forgiven. He died and took the penalty in full. He buried it, and he rose again, and he will do the work to make me new. God, I want to receive the gospel. But secondly... And most of you are here, you've done that. But are you standing in the gospel? Is that where your identity comes from? Is that you're a child of God? Or is it based upon who you are at your work? Or how many social likes you're getting in your social media? Are you concerned about what others think about you and judge yourself based upon the standards of the world? Are you back and saying, you know what, God? I need to remember who I was before I met you. I need to be thankful. I need to be a child of God and just live in your love. And God, let that love transform me to love others. And God, I want to take that good news and just be able to share it so that there will be joy. God, I want to be one who stands and doesn't quit on you. One of the biggest boxing matches in the 20th century happened on November 25th, 1980. It was in the Superdome in New Orleans. It was a rematch between Sugar Ray Leonard and Robert Roberto Duran. Duran had won the previous fight, and he was favored this second time. He had a record going into the fight of 72 wins. He'd only lost once, and he had won 41 matches in a row the rematch was a really close fight on the scorecard in the eighth round there was only one to two points separating them but something happened that changed roberto's duran forever and in the eighth round he turned to the referee and he said no moss no moss which meant no more And he quit. He didn't quit because he was injured. He didn't quit because he was cut. He didn't quit because he was necessarily losing. He was just frustrated and he had enough. Sadly, there's many who believe the gospel in vain. And it's evidence because they become quitters. God says what we need in the church today is people who believe and who stand are not ashamed of the gospel. Mission, will you be that church? Will you continue to stand in the gospel and serve your king and his kingdom? Let's pray. Father, we just want to come before you this morning and thank you for your gospel. I just pray that if there's anyone here today Just at this moment, that they would look in their heart and say, God, I really don't have a relationship with you. And God, my life has never been changed. Died on the cross for my sins. You were buried. And you rose again. God, I believe that. I believe you can change me. God, I give you my sin. Not just the sins of the world, but God, I give you my sin, my rebellion, and I'm sorry. God, I'm ready to to follow you. I'm ready to get married. God, I'll love you today, and I'm committed to love you forever and ever. Lord, I pray for the person who's never done that, that today they may. Lord, that they would enter into your kingdom. Father, I pray for the many who have made that decision, but Lord, we get to the place so many times that we forget to just remain in the gospel. Lord, I pray for that Christian who is weary, that today they would be refreshed in knowing that you love them, that the gospel is still working in their life to change them. Father, that they would receive your love and allow it to continue to transform them. That their identity would be in you. And that the result would be that they would labor for your kingdom. That many would come and believe through their preaching of sharing the good news. And may it all be for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray.